Lord, we thank you that in all that we say, all that we do, that you can make yourself manifest and that your word can be alive in us. So, Lord, we thank you for your word that gives life, that we can study together, that we can be encouraging one another and spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, that he dwells within us, empowers us, leads us and guides us in all truth, that you are, Holy Spirit, the comforter. We thank you that you comfort us in our weakness, in our pain and grief. You meet us right where we're at. We thank you for that. We thank you that we get to gather together in your name, Lord. Lift you high. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cody, would you mind uh, running inside and uh, on the computer, on the Facebook page, hit go live? If you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're going to be looking at uh, several passages together this morning. And uh, I'd really like this to be a discussion. The, the topic that we've been in is this series, Infinitely More. And, and it's keying into how... God has infinitely more for us than we could ask or imagine. And all that he has for us and he does in us is for his glory. Amen? Like, it's not so that I get what I want that God works in me. It's that he's glorified at the end of the day. Our passage that we've been looking at over and again is that Ephesians 3, verse 20. If you haven't highlighted it in your Bible, I'd encourage you to do that. We mentioned last week how in this context there's so much more uh, and just this the richness of his glory, strength that God has, that he, in our inner man, he's building us up. Paul's prayer in verse 17 of Ephesians 3 that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that we be rooted and grounded in love, that we could comprehend how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ, even though it's not something we can ever fully comprehend, right? And then that brings us to Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. So looking at that verse as we get started, Ephesians 3.20, who gets the glory? Who, who's it all for? To him who is able to, it's to him be the glory, right? And then the things that are happening, what, what's at work in us? In the middle of the verse. His mighty power. I don't know about you, but I don't feel very powerful a lot of a lot of the time. I feel like 
uh, I'm just, uh, oh man, there's an old term, weak sauce. I remember uh, in high school and college, like, dude, that's so weak sauce. I don't know if that was a term for any of you, but uh, that was something that friends and I shared back and forth. But I feel that way, man. I feel like there's no, no power in me to accomplish what God wants. And I think that's the point, that it's his power, not my power. Can anyone think of another verse that ties into that idea about God's power and my weakness? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Paul wanting to be free of whatever that thorn in the flesh was, but the Lord answers back, my, my grace is sufficient, you know, like I, I've given you what you need. Um, and apparently that whatever that thorn was, wasn't taken. Any other thoughts? That, oh, Gideon. Right. Yeah, God really likes to set us up, doesn't he? Like stack the odds. It's like, you know, you might actually trust in this army you've got, so we're going to whittle that down a little bit. Yeah, going and marching around Jericho, it's like, I got a good battle plan for you. Instead of going with your weapons, let's just, I got an idea. Take a torch and hide the light in a pot, and then we'll just scare everybody out of the city. By yelling loudly. Could you imagine being Joshua having to make that pitch to the army? You know, you got all these guys, they're all like geared up and they're like, I can imagine people putting their swords on and getting everything ready. He's like, okay, I've, uh, I've been praying. God has shown me how we're going to take this city. Uh, certainly not by their power. Jonathan, yeah, Jonathan goes and he's like, so the enemy is camped on top of the plateau. If they see us sneaking up on them and invite us into the enemy camp, we'll go ahead and go and know that God's going to kill them all. Take it out. Like we're, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, in John 15, we spent several weeks in that um, a few months back and how apart from me, you can do nothing. That um, you cut that branch off. We were just listening to a sermon the other day. And um, what do you call a branch that's been cut from the tree? Or It's a stick. (laughs) I don't want to be a stick. I want to be a branch. You know, I want to be connected. So it's the power of God that's working in us. And the purpose is that God would be glorified in the church. So in us as the the 
physical representation of Jesus in the world. And the time frame, look at verse 21. God working in you has implications for what time frame? Eternity, forever, all generations. So looking at one of the promises that Jesus had said last week, we looked at several of the I will statements. Um, we can back up to John uh, 6, 7, sorry, John 16, 7. Jesus makes this promise. He said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's your, to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. You know, Jesus is talking about sending the Holy Spirit, the Helper. Uh, in Scripture, that term, help or helper, it's used of the Holy Spirit, God himself. Um, and it's also phrased advocate. And so he's made this promise. And, and I think it, it's interesting, like there's that presence and, um, and this is actually coming right after the, the passage we just talked about, John 15. You know, abide in me. And then he's like, but I'm leaving. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And that's, it, it's our relationship to the Holy Spirit is how we abide in Christ. So a big question for us is, who is the Holy Spirit? Um, and, and the question is a who, not a what. So looking at that verse, what are some of the things you notice and how, how we can conclude that the Holy Spirit is a who, not a what? John sixteen seven. Yeah, Jesus refers to him, not it. Totally. Yeah, lifesaver, comfort, advocate. What was the other one? Uh, encourager. Encourager and counselor. Uh, I have a, a, an illustration here. There was uh, a man that recently visited the Sistine Chapel. Uh, he wanted to see uh, that amazing painting of Michelangelo on the ceiling, right? He'd read all these books and seen the pictures and just was thrilled to be going in and seeing this uh, masterpiece. And when he got there, he was profoundly disappointed because what he'd been looking at in the books and the pictures didn't compare at all. As he looks up at the ceiling, it's all faded and dingy looking. And it's like, what, what happened? Uh, everything he had looked at, it had faded and turned to a gray but all the books the colors have just jumped off so he goes to the curator um it's like what happened where's the color the life and all the brilliance that i've heard about the curator simply said follow me as he walked the man through the halls he pointed to the candles that were burning throughout the chapel 
As they continued to walk, the curator explained to this man how the candles were always burning because they continually burned. There was soot and ash from the candles that had created this dull film on the ceiling and the walls. So as they continued their walk, the curator pointed to a space in the ceiling that had just been completely restored. Uh, the restoration process uses these special chemicals. It removes that thick layer of soot and smoke that had been covering the ceiling. The man stood back in complete wonder as he took in Michelangelo's masterpiece, and it was better than he could have imagined. You know, there's a lot of uh, smoke uh, that's been blown about the Holy Spirit, and there's you know kind of this dinginess. Maybe um, maybe you've been uh, around uh, a church or a group of people that. Um, have explained the Holy Spirit one way, express Him in certain terms. Others of us may have never even heard about the Holy Spirit at all, but uh, hopefully as we look at the Scripture together that we can you know, wipe away some of the soot and, and get down to who He really is, not what has been portrayed about Him. You know, I, I don't want just man's opinion about who He is. I want to know him for who he is. So, this John sixteen seven really helps us to to see that the Holy Spirit is not a, a force, you know, like Star Wars. Oh, the force, and and it's this I don't know spirit of good and evil. Um, you know, he's a person, and not that he has a physical body. But person in the sense of, well, let me ask instead, what makes for a person? What are some, how do you distinguish a person from an animal or an inanimate object? Spirit? A personality? Yeah, you can communicate. Totally. Grieved? Yeah. So there's a will? I don't think I would be grieved if I... There wasn't a will that was broken. So some of the aspects of the Holy Spirit, being that he's a person, that he has a will. He has personality. He has, um, and, and he communicates with us. So looking at the verse again, that Jesus is going away. And the good news is, is that the helper is going to come. And that Jesus has sent him to us. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us. And when he comes, he's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. So that's one main point to to always understand and remember is that the Holy Spirit is a person, not some mystical being. Uh, Skip back just a little bit to John 14, verse 15. i got to turn just one page here. John 14, 15. Uh, someone want to read that out loud for us? Nice and loud? If you love me, you will obey what I command. And 16 as well.
Keep going. Sorry, that whole paragraph. Sorry. If you love me, keep my commands. I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper. So this, uh, that term there, another helper, is like uh, one like myself. So someone like me, that he may abide with you forever. It's the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. How do we know him? For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Looking back at 17, it's the spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. So I, I mentioned that you know, even though the Holy Spirit is a person, he doesn't have a body. And I think this is one of those scriptures that ev- gives evidence to that. Um, the world can't see him because he's spirit. So he's a person without a body. He's a spirit, the Holy Spirit. So where is he? From verse 17. So, okay, see, I think how you phrased that was interesting. So say that again. You know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. There's present and future. So in the context here, John is recording kind of the middle part of Jesus' teaching and preaching. And so there's some aspect of the Holy Spirit is present, is with them, but will be in them. That kind of keys into what we will commemorate next week of the day of Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit comes in in just a really powerful demonstration. But for us today, I think that the promise that and description that Jesus is giving is that the Holy Spirit will be with us and will live in us as well. So what else does the Spirit do? So we have, he's an advocate, he's a comforter. He's going to um, convict the world. He's going to reveal righteousness and truth. Encourager, yeah. And then also leads and guides. Jesus didn't say it or this feeling. Jesus said he and him. So we can understand who he is, but what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit, his work is both the, in the life of the believer and the unbeliever. There's an interesting point here that the Holy Spirit is at work in the unbeliever. That... He actually does this work of drawing. In John 6, 44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up in the last days. So God, the Father, is wanting relationship with all people. 
And it's by the Holy Spirit that there's that constant trying to draw people back into relationship with God. In fact, that word draw, um, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's helkuo, H-E-L-K-U-O, and it means to drag. I think it's hilarious. So I've talked to people, maybe you could attest to this, that there's times when the Holy Spirit, you can kind of feel like God dragged you into something. Some people get dragged into church, and then suddenly they're like, oh man, I need Jesus. <laughs> and and they, they give their life over, and they surrender to him, and everything changes, right? But I just think that's hilarious. That, But if you think about a loving Heavenly Father who wants relationship with his kids, there is that drawing. There's a, a, I've heard people refer to it as a wooing. Um, but that's one of the aspects of what the Holy Spirit does. Is He's constantly trying to draw us back into the relationship with God that God wants for us, which is for our good, for His glory. We have an opportunity to put faith in Jesus and, and be freed from the power and penalty of sin. And once we, we start operating out of faith and become believers, the Holy Spirit then takes a different role. So at, at first, before we have relationship, and I think this applies for us who have been following Jesus for a while, and maybe you get anxious about sharing your faith. Um, you get anxious about the example of your life and like, did I do enough in this situation or that situation? Emily, you and I were talking about yesterday a little bit that sometimes there's, there's this sense of, man, did I do enough? And just remember, it's the Holy Spirit who's drawing people to God. It's not my job to convince someone that God exists or that Jesus died for them. Or like, If I can take a step back and remember that the Holy Spirit is doing that all the time and for every person, that he's at work trying to draw them or... You know, has a, a rope tied around their waist and has that tension. Like, this is, you need to come this way. Uh, I love, uh, I've, anybody watch some of those horse whisperer stuff? Um, like, they'll put a lead, once they can finally get the, the lead on. Um, they don't have a bit. They just have the, uh, the lead under their chin. And, the, and then there's just a little bit of tension applied to the rope until the horse gives into it, submits to that, and takes a step toward the trainer and that's kind of the picture that i think we could paint of how the holy spirit is drawing us is there's there's that tension where we want to be where we really need to be is in relationship with our heavenly father but we're always wanting to go the wrong way it's like if the barn has all the feed okay you're emaciated horse i need you to come into the barn but you're scared a loving caring trainer is going to give that tension um but i don't know about you but i'm not strong enough to make a horse do anything (laughs) you know but but if you put that tension on and and then there's that giving way like okay i'm going to submit to this and and that's really how the lord seems to lead us and draw us into the relationship so that kind of takes us to a third point of the the holy spirit leads us turn over to uh Romans chapter 8. Verse 5. 
Somebody want to read that one? 8.5, Romans 8.5. Man. So back in verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit on the things of the Spirit. He talks about you know living by the flesh. We can't please God. Living by the Spirit, we do please God. And Paul, who's writing to the Romans, also writes something similar to the Galatians. So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, let's skip over to that. This is where we'll kind of expound on the Spirit's work in us. Galatians 5. Actually, I'll back up just a little bit. Look at Galatians 5, 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He was just telling the Romans to not live by the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another, so you don't do the things you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's quite a list. I was challenged to kind of look back at it for myself, of which of these things do I find in my sinful nature as besetting. I'll read in the New Living the same verse. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness. You want to put that piece of wood in the fire? You have to ask your daddy. No? Mommy says no. Mommy says no. Here, Amuna, you can put it back here. Or take it to daddy. Can I put it back? Campfire's tempting for the little ones. Uh huh. So looking at verse 21 envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Looking back over, I would say uh, Galatians 5.20 has 
that anger I see that creeps up in me. That's, that's one that I'm not proud to admit. Idolatry is, you know, worship of anything ahead of God instead of God. But what's the, the opposite? So that's what the, spirit, the, the flesh does. What about the Holy Spirit? In verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there's no law against these things. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I got to drive my dad's new Subaru a little while back. And it has all these fancy schmancy things in it. So I'm on the freeway in Spokane and the car keeps like, you ever drive with a low tire and there's that pulling of the steering wheel? Like what is going on? Like it pulls one way and then it pulls another way and I, I can't figure out. And then it starts beeping at me what in the world? It's got the lane assist function. Apparently, I was not keeping in my lane. I'm a wayward driver. You know, so, like, I'm going around this corner, and, well, you know, there was a really wide shoulder. It's one particular corner in uh, on the freeway there in Spokane that I've been driving a long time, and I kind of cut that corner a little bit, apparently. It's really tight, but there's a ton of shoulder, and that's where the majority, you can see where the traffic goes across that line. They painted the lines weird, I think. <laughs> but the car didn't think so. The car thought that I was supposed to be further left than I was cutting. And, and so then I cross that line, it starts beeping at me, telling me I'm out of the lane. So the Holy Spirit can be that leading. We can ignore it, we can ignore the car as the it, or we can ignore him as he's saying, hey, given that nudge, you know, the the car was not going to be able to overpower my steering. You know, I'm stronger than the force of that lane assist, but it's there for my good. And I can turn it off in the car. You and I can turn off our sensitivity to him as well. Just like, nope, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to listen. I'm going this way. And I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that where I've been doing that most recently is when I'm in negative emotions. Like, you're having a bad day. It's like, nope, I'm just going to keep having a bad day. Like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be upset about this or I'm going to be disappointed and isn't that strange? Like, why would I, like the Holy Spirit, he's, he's saying, like, no, you can steer this way. Like, spend time with me. Abide, as Michelle pointed out, out of John 15. Just be with me. You can't do anything without me. And I'm going, nah, I'm going to stay in this funk. And, like, I hit the button and disconnect. 
that's foolish. Like, why would I do that? doesn't make any sense. But I do. Anybody? Yeah, sounds familiar. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit desires to work in our lives in the same way that that lane assist does. He wants to help you stay in the lane that God has placed you in. And we can think about this in the, the in terms of the ministry that we are wanting to engage in. Like, no, stay in your lane. Don't be trying to do what somebody else is called to do. Do what you're called to do. Exercise the gift of God in you, as Paul wrote to Timothy. He's like, stir up that. Like, practice the gifts that God's given you. And then this recognizing fruit, I think, is really liberating if I would really pay attention to it, is that trees, vines, bushes that are making fruit, they don't have to strain. Like the fruit just comes, right? It just happens. As long as the branch is connected, fruit's produced. Like that's the nature of the healthy thing. So if I'm healthy, I'm abiding with Christ, I'm spending time in devotions and worship and and, and frankly, one of the reasons we did worship a little differently around a campfire here in the lawn of the church this morning is, uh, Sadri, you had a great point last week of how how different it was. To, you know, we had a gust of wind come and our awning is starting to fly away and Sadri and others grab onto different pieces of equipment and posts and things trying to hold our awning down. And Sadri noticed how different it felt to be trying to worship the Lord in front of other people as if you're on a stage, even though we don't have a stage out here. But like when you're in front, there's like that, oh, people are watching me. And and so like just abide. Like sometimes we have to adjust the model, uh, adjust the rhythm of what we've been doing because sometimes it just becomes rote or we get kind of stuck in something. It's like, you know, let's just shift a little bit. Um, if you're always doing your devotions in one place and it's starting to feel stale, take a walk as, and listen to the word through an app, a Bible app or something. Um, if, if that's not, you know, like, are, are we willing to give up some of the comforts and the norms of how we relate to God and be sensitive and be led by the Spirit? Allow Him to steer us. Because, and this is something that I think has really been standing out to me recently, and maybe for you as well, but, but so much of, of our faith and life seems to be that it's all about relationship. I keep trying to make it about processes, <laughs> protocols, checklists, and, and God doesn't seem to um, stick with those. Like, certainly God uses process. There was amazing process in creation and there's uh systems of the world that you know that if we were to put plastic over the grass it's going to get wet on the plastic because the grass is breathing and releasing that uh moisture into the air right there's all kinds of processes but but if we get stuck in these traditions that sometimes it just sucks the life out of it if i leave that plastic on the grass it's going to kill the grass so we observe the process, but we're in relationship with Jesus, and that's what the Spirit is trying to produce in us, is steering us back to a, a true intimate connection with God.
Izzy, we were talking that you and Will and I about that intimacy with the Lord. Like, that's a great place to be. And when you feel that nearness, like n- nothing, nothing compares to that. And when you don't feel it, there's such an ache, you know? Kind of like uh, a couple of times I've traveled and been away from the family for a while. There's just that ache to, to be near. But then when you're in quarantine, you just can't wait to get away, you know? <laughs> you're like, oh, I need space. And, and you know, we're so fickle. If you refuse to listen to the Holy Spirit's voice of correction, then you also will not hear his voice of direction. I thought that was just a really profound thought that here I want God to tell me where to go in life, what to what to do with a career, what financial decisions to make, like you know, all of the questions that we have, all our plans. We want God to tell us what to do, but then when the Holy Spirit is trying to correct us in something, we often will turn deaf ear. I'm guilty of that. So I think to conclude our time, just to take a moment to pray, um, to listen for what the Holy Spirit would be see- saying to you in this moment. Um, Maybe it's a direction that he wants to give. Maybe it's a correction. Maybe it's a a reminder of who you are. Um, I know that he's spoken that in a variety of ways for Michelle and I recently. This is who you are. Don't try and be something you're not. But it's one thing to think that, and it's something else to hear him say it. One of the things about the campfire that I love is um, it does seem to bring an intimacy, you know, when we sit around a fire. And, And I want that to be true of us as a group of believers, that we'd have an intimacy with God and with one another. You know, Tina, we were talking about that, you know, just at the beginning, you know, how much we love the, the connection and the family that, that we are here. Um, one thing I do know, though, as far as where the Lord's leading us, is that uh, he wants everyone in his family. You know, God wants a growing family. My my nieces are having kids and our family gatherings are getting larger. Um, And we've had to make adjustments as a family. We don't all fit around one table anymore. Um, That's hard to do with 25, 30 people. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we can hardly fit around two, Shiloh says. So, you know, naturally adjustments occur, but but we want to maintain that intimacy with God and with one another. And so let's just take some time to, to pray, to think, to listen to him. Um, I think I'll just pluck a little on the guitar here. Because I love playing guitar at a campfire.
There's a song that uh, used to do at camp a lot for a youth group, and I was singing it uh, by myself here before anybody else arrived. Yeah, maybe I'll minister to you. Calling me to lay aside worries of my day to quiet down my busy mind find a hiding place worthy you are worthy you're calling me to lay aside the worries of my day Quiet down my busy mind and find a hiding place worthy. You are worthy. Of a childlike faith and of my honest praise, of my unashamed love. sacrifice of my unashamed love worthy 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 you are of my day to quiet down the busy mind find a hiding place worthy 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 sacrifice that we can bring.
Lord, we pray that you would continue to lead us, to comfort us and guide us. Lord, that you would convict us of sin, that you'd lovingly draw us back into our lane. Lord, in ways that we might be stepping over that line and we are trying to do something that is really for someone else. Or Lord, we're starting to compromise, even just in our thinking and entertaining things that we know would be sin. We're not really stepping into that yet, but we're on the line. Lord, that we would not reject your conviction where you are revealing that we are on the edge and you're trying to steer us back into safety. Lord, that we would acknowledge you, that we would respond appropriately, that we wouldn't turn off that part of our heart. And Lord, that we would be set free from anxieties and baggage of worry. Lord, we pray that you would set our community free from fear. Lord, the twisting and amplifying of things that that just are not fully true, where that grain of truth has been blown up into something that doesn't even resemble the truth anymore. Lord, we pray that we would be wise and circumspect. Lord, that we would recognize that you are sovereign over every circumstance of our lives. And God, I'm so thankful that your word says that it is you who works in us both to will and to do according to your good pleasure. That even when I am weak and powerless, your power is made perfect in my weakness. And that you, you do the work and fruit is produced. So Lord, I just pray that we could just abide well this week. And that we will be courageous enough to reach out for help when we are lonely or afraid, when we're discouraged. That as a body of believers, Spirit, you would speak to us and, and call to mind those that are having a difficult time and that we could come together and encourage one another. Lord, that we would be the salt and the light in the world and here in Enterprise and Joseph, Lostine and Wallawa. Lord, that this whole region would see you in us. We do pray for your peace around the world. Not a, a peace that is fleeting, but true, genuine, deep, peace with God, that your salvation would come. Would you give wisdom to those in positions of authority having to make difficult decisions right now? Judges and presidents, leaders, city councils and commissioners, governors and congresspeople, legislators, representatives, Lord, that that we would each one of us, whether we're in a position to make decisions or not, that we would come humbly and recognize that, that we don't have all the answers, but you do. That you would give, give us grace, that we would respond with peace toward one another, especially those who disagree. 
that our gentle answer would turn away wrath. And Lord, thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. We praise you, God, for you are worthy. Amen. Anything that uh, you want to share of what God's stirring? Any lane adjustments going on?